Every day, traders and investors dive in to tackle the ever-changing markets to find opportunity. Futures Radio Show is your number one source for answers to the questions that all market participants want to ask. Veteran futures trader Anthony Crudelli sits down with the most influential leaders and top traders in the industry. Now, here's your host, Anthony Crudelli. What's up, everybody? Anthony Crudelli here, and thank you for tuning in for this episode with Tommy Thornton. Futures Radio Show is sponsored by CME Group. They are the world's leading and most diverse futures and options exchange. CME Group's markets help individuals and businesses around the world effectively manage risk. For access to free educational tools and resources for the active individual trader, please visit activetrader.cmegroup.com. Remember, everybody, new shows are posted on Mondays and Thursdays. You could subscribe to the show on iTunes, YouTube, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. If you're enjoying the show, please leave a review on iTunes. The show is also sponsored by Trading Technologies, FTSE Russell, RJO Futures, and Top Step Trader. To learn about some of the great offers these sponsors have for our listeners, please visit futuresradioshow.com slash sponsors. Today, I spoke with the founder and president of Hedge Fund Telemetry, Tommy Thornton. Tommy commented on my tweet the other day about how I use emotions as an asset in my trading, so that's where we kicked off today's show. Tommy is also my go-to when it comes to DeMarc indicators, and I always like seeing what his thoughts are on the markets, and today we talked about indications that he's seeing that currently have him short the E-mini S&P. We also talked about market sentiment, short interest, and last but not least, dealing with stress. So without further ado, let me take you right to the interview with Tommy. Tommy, I wanted to kick off today's show with you and I discussing a comment that you put on one of my tweets the other day where I said that I'm an emotional person and I actually use emotions in my trading and they're actually an asset to my trading. And the comment you put in was that you found emotions were really good at helping you make proper decisions and suppressing was the wrong way to go about it. You actually CC'd Denise Schull in this tweet as well. Talk to us about that. Well, Denise is a a great expert, and I've read her book, and I've consulted with her and interviewed her on uh, Real Vision in the past. And, you know, one of the things that uh, happens in this world is when you're dealing with money, and sometimes um, trading a lot of money, you have a lot of risk on, uh, it, it, it can fire you up. You cannot look at a, a trade and think, oh, this is, you know, th- this is so easy. Usually the, the times when I'm right uh, or when I put on a trade and it feels absolutely the worst. And when I start to put on a trade that I feel very confident about, uh, it can also uh, backfire in, in my face. And I, I tend to tell people that, uh, you know, the whole thing of, you know, being, you know, trying to suppress your emotions uh, is not necessarily the best thing because you're, you're actually fighting, um, you know, something with inside you. And look, I'm very systematic. Uh, I buy things when people are, are selling them. Like a year ago in December, when the markets were falling pretty hard, uh, all of my indicators uh, were showing signals that you wanted to get long. And I was in a hotel room sick, actually, 
uh, in London on a family vacation, and I was on my laptop buying calls and buying everything I possibly could, and I was a few days early, and it felt awful, but it really did work out. And like Again, um, I tend to buy things or sell things when it feels the worst, and uh, right now, currently in the markets, uh, this unrelenting uh, slow grind up without a 1% uh, move up or down for 64 days has just been, uh, it's been very punishing. It, it, it hurts. Uh, but I also know that uh, I'm following my indicators. I'm following market sentiment. And I believe um, we'll be right. Yeah, when you mentioned me in that tweet and said that you wanted to discuss how emotions were involved in your trading and how you actually embraced using emotions in your trading. I have to say I was a little surprised because knowing you for some time, you're so systematic and technical. Yeah, I, I, you have to. You have to. Um, you can't suppress it. And you have to realize that you know sometimes the signals that you get are that they don't always work. I, I use a lot of different indicators and I try to mix things together uh, to build a consensus uh, to be either long or short. I want to go back to you interviewing Denise and reading her books. I've done the same thing. She's been on the show. And I really had an aha moment when I was speaking with Denise on the show because I was under the impression that I really wasn't using emotions in my trading, as I think many traders think this. And she really explained to me how I wasn't avoiding them. I was actually using them as an asset. So it was just really interesting for me to hear that from her. And I'm just wondering for you, Tommy, being so systematic and technical, when did you recognize and actually embrace the fact that you were using emotions in your trading? I, you know, it's, it's getting the shit beat out of you. That's usually what, happens. Um, you know, experience uh, in the markets uh, doesn't come by making money. It comes by losing money. And, and truly, uh, if you can just, I take, I have a diary that I write every day, uh, of positive trades, uh, and losing trades. And I think that it's really essential for someone to track that. And I, I do, and I, I write, uh, for hedge fund telemetry every day and I put my heart on the daily note. And sometimes I'm really salty uh, and people get it. They're like, oh man, you're, you're, you know, you're bitter. Uh, and rarely do I ever get overly emotional on an upside type win. I kind of look at wins like, okay, well, that that's what you were expected to do. So good, it, it happens. Sometimes if you get some sort of like lucky thing that happens, uh, then, then cool, you know, celebrate it a little bit. But I, I tend to not get too wrapped up in uh, profits and losses. Um, in, in many respects, because I size things properly. There's not going to be one position that's going to rip my heart out and, and, and kill me. Uh, and I think that's really important as well. I mean, if people get really emotional in their, their trading, they may be sized too big. And I think that's, that's a very important factor. Uh, I mean, if I have a stock that goes 10% against me uh, and I have a 2.5% weight, uh, it's it's 25 basis points. It's not going to ruin my month or year or anything. If I have a 5% position in it, uh, and that's usually my limit size, uh, 
you know, I'm 50 basis points down. That's not going to kill me either. And I think people should really, uh, if they start to get too emotional, size down and, and give yourself a little wider stop on things as well. You know, because your, your initial inclination to buy something or sell something uh, usually is right if you're, you've been doing this for a while. And oftentimes you get stopped out because you're too, you're too large, uh, your stops are too, too tight. And that's, that's kind of how I've seen it. And, and I'm, a, I'm a position trader. I trade um, days, weeks. It's not like a day trade thing. Yeah, I want to get into some of your positions here in a moment, but I just want to make one quick comment, and that is talking about using your emotions as an asset. That's exactly one way that I use them as an asset is knowing when I'm too big into a position, and I'm known to do that to myself a lot. If it moves a couple of ticks against me, and I'm like, "Whoa, this is not. This is just too much." You know, I trim right away, and it really does help me. Uh, we could talk all day about this stuff, Tommy, but I do want to talk about some of your positions right now and just some of the things that you are currently seeing in the market. Well, I'm, to be quite honest, I'm, I'm short um, indices, and I've been wrong on them. And uh, I, I use the mark indicators. And uh, one of the things that is very important about the mark indicators is they don't always work. Um, and... People always think it's some like guru type thing that they work all the time. Uh, it's really important when they don't work that you understand that it, it's a trend following and trend exhaustion tool. And when the trend exhaustion does not exhaust up or down, it's telling you that the trend is quite strong. And then you have to perhaps look for another indicator uh, that, that could recycle. And I know that sounds um, a bit counterintuitive, but um, the the thing that I'm, I'm looking at this market currently as very similar to a couple other markets, maybe the late 99, 1999 move uh, when the Fed really you know put some Y2K stimulus together, uh, maybe more so like the late 2017, uh, January 18 type move. Uh, we had several, several DeMarc indicators that exhausted and we saw like a little 2% pullback. And we had one, um, a pullback uh, just recently after an indicator hit, but it just went right back up. And that was a good tell. You know, I want to know when they're failing. And, and I mean, Paul Tudor Jones has always said, you know, he wants to see when they're failing, uh, maybe more so when they're working. Uh, but the thing I'm looking at right now uh, is the overwhelming evidence, and you can look at it very simply. You know, when you have a NASDAQ uh, trading it uh, with an RSI at 78 uh, on the weekly, uh, or excuse me, 86 on the weekly, uh, 77 on the daily, it's just super extended. And you don't necessarily want to say, oh, I want to keep going here. I want to keep, you know, keep you know, keep going here. You want to be out before the music stops. And that's, that's what I did in 2018. I was out, um, really pushed people out, um, with hedge fund telemetry in the first week of 2018. And then right on the January 24th top, we had another upside exhaustion signal. Um, I bought puts and that January or the February smash, I think we were down what. 10% pretty quickly, gave back just a ton of gains. 
those puts were just enormous for my whole year. I'm assuming that the S&P is the market that you're talking about. So how are you trading it? Are you just short outright futures? Uh, I, I am short a little futures, uh, and I'll go back and forth on the futures, but I, I tend to like will hold a uh, short position in SPIs, Qs, IWMs. I have, I have recently bought puts, put spreads um, on all three of those, and I'm short the end of the, those ETFs. Un- unsuccessfully so far. Yeah, but you you're spreading it out to different things. So you're not just short futures. You actually are going to buy some puts, some put spreads, and like you said, you're you're you'll short spy as well. So is it just the S and P you're short? Uh, I'm I'm not short the Nasdaqs, and I'm getting really close to uh, shorting the Nasdaq futures. Okay, can you tell us what triggered you to be short the S and P? I know that you focus a lot of your trading using DeMarc indicators. So can you just walk us through what you were seeing on your charts in your indicators that got you short S&P? Yeah, I, I, I tend to think there's a, there's a, a few things that are in play right now. Um, one, uh, today we are seeing, uh, there's two indicators that I followed uh, with DeMarc and it's the sequential and the combo. And both of them are a trend exhaustion tool and, um, I, I can give people more info on it if they reach out to me. Uh, we send out a, uh, a primer on demark indicators. But basically, uh, we're seeing those in the, those countdowns. Um, some of them are hitting 13, which is the magic number. Uh, some of them are around 8, 9, 11, 12. You know, we're we're right towards the the tail end of them right now. The other thing is, I look at I screen every. A, uh, within the S&P 500 for those exact signals. And I have just been seeing more and more individual names uh, on the sell signal side than, um, than buy signals. So it's, it, to me, it's really uh, power in numbers when I start to see a lot of different uh, uh, signals across the board, different sectors. It, it's just, you know, I, I think we have, I was looking at it a second ago, yeah, we had the uh, XLY, XLK, so the consumer discretionary technology, the Qs, uh, all with uh, sell signals today. Uh, coming up tomorrow, it looks like you're going to have the S&P. So we're, we're really close to some, um, some action. And, and I think also the Fed is starting to look at, uh, they're going to, have an announcement, the New York Fed is going to have an announcement on the 14th that could show some moderation in uh, future stimulus. And I think that's going to be a big key. A question I ask every single person about their trade is, where are you wrong? So we know you're short the E-mini S&P. I understand your reasoning behind it with your strategy, but where are you wrong in this trade? What forces you to cover? Is it a price stop? Is it the mark indicator doing something? How does that all work? Well, you know, to be to be honest, I've, I've held on to this trade longer than I, I really wanted to, and the reason I've held on to it is is very clear. It's because it's not the price uh, of what it's moved, and that might go counterintuitive to a lot of other people's beliefs. But I'm looking at the the countdowns and. Uh, that's to me what really drives 
uh, my process, and it's it's we're very late in this la latest countdown, and so I I really feel like if we, you know, if we say oh we're over, you know, thirty three hundred, uh, you know, we could be, uh, but I don't think it's I think it's just a matter of time and wait, waiting for these countdowns to exhaust themselves, and I and when we when they do, I think this market could drop. You know, you could see it back <clears throat> under 3,000, maybe 2,900 again. And uh, it could be based on earnings coming out in the next couple of weeks. And we really were also, I mean, I, I'm technical, but I also uh, took the CFA level one and I passed it and I gave up after that just because it was just too much time. But the valuation on the market is just really extreme right now. I think we're, we're 18 and a half times earnings to 20 times earnings, depending on which estimate you want to look at for the coming year. We, we don't have the earnings growth that can sustain the market moving higher. And, and that to me is a, a real risk. Hey everybody, a quick pause here to talk about FTSE Russell. They are a leading global provider of benchmarks, analytics, and data solutions. The Russell 2000 index is a key benchmark for small cap U.S. stocks. Be sure to check out the E-Mini Russell 2000 Index Futures Contract, symbol R-T-Y. For more information on FTSE Russell and their products, please visit FTSERussell.com. Let's talk about another tool that you discuss a lot in your letter, and that's market sentiment. What are you seeing there? Well, market sentiment, I, I on hedge fund telemetry, I have charts of the daily sentiment index uh, that's uh, offered by Jake Bernstein and his, he sends it out by just raw numbers and I've put it on charts and it's been extreme. It's been extreme for the last several months and market sentiment, uh, in my opinion, can stay extreme or on upside or downside for a period of time. Uh, it's a condition. It's not a, a trigger. Sometimes people will look at it and say, oh, well, it's, so low or so high, you got to buy. Now, I can look at it and say, well, since it's been this high uh, for so long, um, it can, I, I can measure it and say, you know, within the next two months, uh, the, prob the probability of it coming down uh, is quite high. I, I also look, and everybody can look at it as well, and I think it's really good, is the uh, CNN Fear and Greed. And that is not a poll. It's uh, an index of seven seven different uh, technical measures of what traders are doing, not what they're saying. And I think that's really important. And and when they get to sentiment, when it gets to extremes, that's when you want to start to take notice and then watch for a trigger. And I I use the Demarc indicators as triggers. So I as again I I think we're coming close to some upside exhaustion signals. And remember when. When markets were um, getting, you know, bashed last year, uh, the daily sentiment index was at four percent bulls, and I think the CNN was down there as well. And it it was a very, in my opinion, a very low risk place to be buying, and and most people were thinking of it as the opposite, as a very high risk place to buy. So I I am just wired differently in the sense that I will buy when. Everybody else is, is puking out their positions and sell when everybody thinks it's, you know, the greatest market in the world. Uh, that's just how I'm wired. I really like market sentiment as a tool 
for confirmation because when we're at all-time highs or at times where we're seeing the market sell off, I like to look to see the difference between what people are saying, traders are saying on Twitter, whether they become you know, really bullish on highs or bearish on lows, and what the actual sentiment is. I always think that that's a good, <laughs> it's a good indicator to say the least, um, to help you get in or to get out. I, I will tell you this too. And when we, when, when I worked at my hedge fund, we had, uh, you know, back in 2007, we started, we started shorting, uh, the, the banks. And in 2008, when things were just absolutely getting crushed, it wasn't easy it, it, as it may seem to be short a billion dollars in financials and CDX, we, it was really actually very difficult because we didn't know how far things were going to go. And you have to trade around your positions and you can't just be just, you know, thinking that it, you, it's, it's going to keep going down forever. And we were really measured in that and we were really pretty fortunate to, to escape and get out of some of the shorts uh, in, in 2009. Now we didn't get as long as I wish we did back in 2009, but uh, we did get out of those uh, those positions. Talk to us a little bit about what you're seeing right now in short interest. Well, I work well. I've I've used Phil Erlinger's research, and Erlinger research is quite unique because I think they they track short interest um, better than any other company I've ever seen. And Phil was the head technician of Fidelity uh, in the 90s, and he has his own firm, and I work very closely with, uh, with them. One of the things that they do that's rather unique is they look at uh, the amount of short interest per stock, and they look at it and rank them uh, as, like, let's say, type 1 through 4, and I'll make it very simple, uh, a type one is a stock that has very high short interest that's, that, that could squeeze higher. Uh, a type four is a, a stock that has very little short interest and has a potential for a long squeeze. So let's say that Apple, for example, uh, or Microsoft or still even Amazon, these companies don't have a lot of short interest um, I mean, you may say, well, there's you know, millions of shares short, but the short interest ratios on these uh, are less than one day. And I just, I, I think that what we're watching right now is the percentage of type fours, that those are stocks that are ranked with very low short interest, uh, is about 9% of the market right now. And every time it's hit 10%, uh, it's been a very significant um, inflection point and and short interest comes out uh, it's Friday it comes out tonight we'll be uh, analyzing it over the weekend and this number could be back at 10% but still at 9% I think it's still there's a lot of risk at this level here uh, when you have companies that are going up like this and and the other thing that we talked about earlier that I really want to mention is attribution and stocks that are leading the market higher, it's the usual suspects, it's five names. It's Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, uh, Facebook, and Alphabet. And these five stocks have done more than 50% of the total work 
in the NASDAQ 100 in the last 10 years. And in almost every time period, you can see it uh, as companies that uh, are doing the heavy lifting. Now, Apple, for example, is a, a stock that has done exceptionally well over the last year. I actually got long the stock last year at the lows. And uh, it was funny because I had a lot of people saying, oh, I'm waiting, waiting for it to go to 100. And I'm like, okay. Um, usually when you see low price targets like that, uh, it, it's telling you what you want to buy. And when you see high price targets, like people are raising Apple's price target every day now, uh, it's probably when you want to sell it. Uh, but anyway, Apple has done 22% of the gain so far out of the NASDAQ 100 this year. And I, I think that's just a, in, incredible. Uh, the market cap of Apple and Microsoft, um, I saw it on the internet, uh, is $300 billion more than the entire German market combined. And it's just the power of these mega cap names to power, to keep going higher. Um, there's a lot of pressure on them to do that. And the crazy thing is Apple has no earnings growth right now. Year over year, earnings have not gone up. And buyback guy there has done a magnificent job. He should get a big bonus this year uh, for buying back stock every single day. And look, Apple's a great company. We have all their products, but there's no earnings growth. And it's trading your... 24 times earnings, and, and that for Apple is a pretty high multiple. So I just think that there's a lot of weight on these these mega cap names, and I also am getting, I run lots of DeMarc indicators, obviously. I do custom indices of just those five stocks, the FANG stocks, and the New York FANG index <clears throat> has a, <clears throat> excuse me, a DeMarc 13 uh, triggering this week. Uh, Apple will have a DeMarc 13 on a weekly basis, uh, triggering uh, next week uh, on Monday. And Apple and Microsoft, just those two combined, uh, are also triggering upside exhaustion signals. So I think that it's, there's a lot of weight on these guys to keep them, keep things going. And, and pe how many people are into, you know, just closet indexers or, or buying, you know, the, the ETFs uh, that just track the market? They could be surprised that if these stocks stop going up, uh, the whole market could go sideways. And that's kind of my call for 2020, sideways to maybe down. Hey, everybody. I want to take a quick pause and talk about RJO Futures. They are a longstanding brokerage firm with personal broker relationships to learn, discuss, and trade the futures markets. To learn more about RJO Futures, please visit rjofutures.com. I don't think enough futures traders put those markets up, those stocks up on their screens to see what they're doing. I have a page of my charts that I'm, those exact markets that you just talked about, those stocks, I am constantly looking at them on my strategy to see how they look compared to the S&P because, <laughs> let's face it, um, I think you said the number was 50% of, of the rally in the NASDAQ 100 came from just what, a handful of stocks, right? Yeah, five stocks. I mean, five Apple's, stocks. Yeah, Apple's 22% of it. Yeah, 22%. And, and it's, I'm not trading the NASDAQ, I'm trading the S&P, but I keep those stocks up there because until I see a lot of the times those markets working very similar 
to what I'm looking for in the futures, that move doesn't have much legs. I mean, I think that it's something very important for futures traders to keep an eye on. And also something I think that you said is important to keep an eye on right now is how everybody is long these stocks and there's just very little short interest. I mean, <laughs> we start coming down, it could be really interesting. I mean, these trades are, they're crowded. These, these are, you know, these are Apple and Microsoft, like they're great companies. They're, they're, they make tons of money. They're, they're well run. They've got great products, uh, but they're, they're crowded. And, you know, Apple, um, you know, it's hard to tell someone to sell Apple. No, I don't want to sell Apple. And, you know, who could have thought it went, it would have go, go from 230 last year to, you know, 140 um, in last fourth quarter. And, it, and Apple can go down. You know, people don't get that new stocks. Um, I've seen Apple over my career drop 50%, you know, many times. And that, I think, is is important. I mean, people can say, well, I'll buy and hold. Well, you know, somebody was telling me the other day about Amazon. They said, well, if you bought Amazon at the IPO, you would have X amount. And I said, well, if you bought Amazon on the day of the IPO, that by the end of the first month, you were down 40%. Now, how would you feel then? And I remember that that IPO like, really closely. The other thing is, after that, it went up in the next six months, 6,300%. Okay, now that's great, but it went down 50% uh, six months later and went right back up to the, the old highs. And then a year later, in the tech bubble burst, it went down 94%. So anybody that's, that thinks, oh, I can just hold on to something forever and you know buy and hold and put it away, well, good luck holding that. And especially if you're a professional and you, you need to report what you do for um, you're managing money for other people. It's not easy uh, to just buy and hold and think that you could just put it away forever. I mean, I, I don't think I'd want to see Apple, you know, get cut in half if I was long. Um, that's just, you know, that's a possibility. And I don't think people in, in this market um, get the risk that, that could happen, especially after a long cycle. We've been 10 years in a cycle right now. It's very difficult. Yeah, exactly. And I don't, I think what a lot of people don't understand is, is something that I've seen and I know you've seen as well is that these things can go down without really any reason. <laughs> and sometimes that's really when they do go down. Well, there, there's a lot of, you know, I deal with the, I talk to a lot of derivative traders all the time and there, there's been a gamma trade that's pushed um, the market higher. And I think that uh, our indication right now is that the S&P breaks 3,200 uh, I think that's when you're going to see some systematic selling that, that happens. The other, the other thing is, oh, just one last thing, or one thing I want to go back. If you're a futures trader and you don't have those five stocks just in front of you next to the you know, E-minis uh, and NASDAQ, uh, you're doing yourself a disservice because those stocks carry the market higher or lower. And I think that's just essential. I mean, you, you have to follow what's moving the market. Uh, forget about some of these little ones out here, but follow the big ones. And even if you can uh, put a custom monitor or a custom index of just those names uh, in front of you, it's you're doing yourself a big, a big favor because um, your futures are going to move up and down because of those stocks. Bottom line. 
Yeah, like I said, for me, I have a page just of those stocks that I think are important to watch. And I only look at them on the on a daily, even though I'm trading intraday. But I look to see what they're doing on the daily using the exact same indicators that I'm looking at when I'm trading the S&P. Because if I see that they're all coinciding with what I'm seeing in the S&P, that's great confirmation. And that's how you're going to get those extended moves. And maybe not necessarily even looking for an extended move, but for a move that maybe is going to be short-lived. If the S&P is, you see divergence between what's happening in all of those stocks and the S&P is doing something, you know, maybe it's just going to be a choppy trade or a sideways trade. I mean, either way, they're a good confirmation and you don't have to have them up, I don't think, as someone who's been trading S&Ps for a lot of years on the same time frames, the early time frames. Just look at them in general. Keep an eye on them. See what they're doing. They are a great, uh, like I said, confirmation. Yeah. That, like, I'm looking at my screens right now, and the, large, the largest S&P stocks are up uh, 45 bips right now, and the S&P is flat. So the S- these guys are doing a lot of work right now, lifting this market up, and breath is slightly negative today. So uh, they're they're working overtime right now to keep this market uh, going higher. Now, if that starts to drop those five stocks, I see it break, you know, twenty percent or twenty dips. Uh, I'm probably going to say that this market is is going to, you know, see a down, you know, dip, downward move. Yeah, I mean, it's good market awareness. Uh, you have to know what's going on beyond just what you're seeing on your charts and your strategy. A question I constantly get is, what platform do I use to trade futures? While I use TT, they are the world's fastest commercially available futures trading platform. Now they have integrated tools for advanced options trading, cryptocurrencies, and trade surveillance. You could try it now for free at tryttnow.com. One last thing, Tommy, before I let you go today. We talked about how you're a systematic trader, use technicals. We talked about how you and I both have emotion involved in our trading. We're not robots. And something that we didn't talk about is dealing with the stress of it, even with you being systematic. And I'm I'm definitely a combo, a hybrid of systematic with some discretion. I have to work really, really hard at uh, you know keeping my stress level down. What are you doing away from the charts to help you relieve some of the stress of being a trader? I really think it's important for people to work out, uh, get away from their screens, uh, get away from their phone, um, go to a gym, uh, don't look at your phone while you're on the treadmill, go work out, do some heavy, hard, you know, exercise. I am really into cycling. You know, I don't look at my phone while I'm out there. Uh, do yoga. I, I recently, in the last year, have taken up yoga, and uh, I found it to be really like a nice uh, release from uh, the everyday uh, pain and, and suffering of what we do here every day <laughs> at the market. So it, it's really, you know, it. I, I try to eat well, um, balance out um, what my diet is. I probably drink wine too much, but that sometimes also is emotional out of uh, stress of the markets. But uh, I try to, you know, limit what, what I do everything in moderation. And uh, the one thing I've always told people is if you can just cut out 25% of some of the bad shit that you're doing, maybe it's food, 
uh, and add 25% more exercise uh, or, or eat a little better, maybe take out meat for 20, eat 25% less meat and more, you know, plant-based. I'm not like a preacher in that regard, but it actually does help your mindset and your physical shape. And, you know, if you feel good uh, mentally, um, you're going to make better decisions. I couldn't agree with you more. I think that there's really two types of people out there, people that could either cut things or add things into their um, regular routine. Uh, I think that you have to find out who you are and, and like you said, just maybe cutting 25% or adding something into your diet, adding an exercise routine, something like that. If you can just make that initial step of doing that, it's made a world of difference for me and hopefully it can for some of you. Tommy, it's always great to speak with you. Where can people find you on Twitter and learn more about what you're doing with your hedge fund telemetry letter? Uh, people can find me on Twitter at Tommy Thornton, and I'm there all the time, posting lots of charts and good stuff. I'm also, um, you can reach me at hedgefundtelemetry.com. Uh, if you want information on DeMarc indicators, you can email me at info at hedgefundtelemetry.com, and I'm uh, really receptive and uh, want to help people understand how the indicators work. Uh, they're complex. Uh, it's not the easiest stuff to follow, but I try to keep it simple. You do. You help a ton of people. I can't tell you how many people I've spoken with listeners of the show that said I reached out to Tommy and he got back to me and he's been great to follow on Twitter, following your letter. So appreciate all you do for the for the community. Tommy, thank you again so much for coming on Futures Radio Show. Take care. Thank you for listening to Futures Radio Show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. You can listen to all of our episodes on FuturesRadioShow.com, iTunes, YouTube, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher.